First John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know him because, excuse me, the world does not know us because it did not know him. You may be seated. And we are glad that everyone is with us today. We appreciate everyone, especially our guests. We have guests from, uh, from Dallas and other parts, and we want to say thank you for coming our way and being with us today. If you do have one of those attendance cards, you can pass that to the inside aisle at this time. We are continuing our sermon series uh, from the book of 1 John. If you would, turn your book your Bible 2, 1 John, the very end of chapter 2. Now, celebrity look-alike contest. They've been around a long time. One of the first ones that gained popularity, people were trying to look like this guy. You know who that is? That's Charlie Chaplin. A very famous character that Charlie Chaplin performed as the Little Tramp. And all through the country, people would uh, enter these contests to look like Charlie Chaplin. In fact, in the city of Cleveland, Bob Hope, before he was famous, back when he was just a, a very young comedian, he entered a contest and actually won first prize. That caused Charlie Chaplin to kind of think, well, I wonder how I would do in a contest. So in the city of San Francisco, the real Charlie Chaplin entered a Charlie Chaplin look-alike contest. And being San Francisco, he didn't win, okay? <laughs> in fact, he did not even make the finals. I tell that story for a reason. Isn't it amazing that sometimes people don't recognize the real thing? even if he's staring them in the face. That is so true with Christians. That's the way it is with God's children. Many people don't see them for who they are. And sad, some of God's children themselves don't know who they are. Why? It's because sometimes as Christians, we're struggling. We're struggling in our lives. We come messed up. We go back into the ways of the world. They, we end up sinning. And we're not the person that we want to be. We know what we want to be. But sometimes we're not who we need to be. Perhaps this morning that describes you. Perhaps you are dealing with a sin problem in your life. Uh, uh, and maybe you're wondering, how, how, do I, how do I overcome my sin? And how do I become all that God wants me to be? Let's look at verse 29 of chapter 2. If, that's a big word, isn't it? If, if you know that he is righteous. If you understand, if you comprehend that Jesus is righteous, you know, what do you know? You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. 
born of him. This practice of righteousness does not come from your own self-effort. It doesn't come naturally. It comes as the result of being born of him. When you became a Christian, did you change? Did you really change? Were you really converted? If you want to overcome sin, and folks, there's a lot of sin out there. The devil has a whole arsenal of things that he can use to try to pull you away from God. If you want to overcome sin and become all that God wants you to be, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to know who you are. I want you to know who you are. Appreciate your relationship with our righteous Lord, and be confident that you are His child. Chapter 3, verse 1. Behold. Now, Jesus would often say, verily, verily. John, he likes to say, behold. Take note. Hey, attention, please. <clears throat> behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Circle that. Children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Do you really realize that you are a child of God? That you are a son and daughter of God? I mean, that's special. That's very special. My dear, believing friend, you are no mere mortal. You are a child of God. And that makes you special. So believe it. Count on it. Appreciate the fact that you are a child of God, dearly loved by God Himself. If you want to overcome the sin in your own life and become all that God wants you to be, then grab it. Claim it. Know it. That you are not just a human. You are a child of God. Thomas Vanderwold and his wife, Mary Ellen, had seven children. They dearly love each one of them, as we all love our children. The youngest child was born when Thomas and Mary Ellen were way up in their 40s. That child was born, unfortunately, with Down syndrome, had a lot of struggles, but they loved him. They named him Josie. That was after a family member, an older family member. One afternoon, Thomas was in his backyard working, and he was watching the little boy, Josie, and he was busy doing his work there with, uh, he had some tools, and he was working on a project. But every once in a while, he'd look up and make sure that Josie was okay. Well, as he was working, Josie wandered from their yard into the next neighbor's yard, backyard. And the next neighbor, he was working on his septic tank. And he had covered the tank with just some boards just to cover it up until he could get back to that project. Well, the little boy, being a little boy, you know what he would did. You know, he walked over there and he started looking around and pretty soon 
He had fallen into that septic tank. An eight foot deep septic tank. Thomas heard the, the yelling and he ran and he looked down and, and there he could see his boy sinking. He jumped. The only thing he could do was jump into the tank. He tried to, to keep him and, and the little boy up above the level. But he was struggling. <clears throat> he couldn't do it. And the only thing he could do was to dive on deep into that sewage and hold his hands up high and hold that boy up above the level. And he did. When the rescuers finally got to the scene, when Thomas's other sons and daughters finally heard and ran out there, they were able to rescue their little brother. But their dad had died. You know, that's God. That's a picture of God's love for you. Jesus entered the cesspool of your sin and died to save you from those sins. That's how much God loves you, that he would do that for you. You are his child, and that's the only reason that he needs to love you. Please believe it. Please believe that God loves you. It will make a huge difference in your life and in the way you live your life if you really comprehend how much God really loves you. You know, there are two main ways that people, that Christians view God. Some Christians view God as the loving father image that he is. And they see God as someone who dearly loves them. And, and they see God as one that, yes, uh, we mess up, that God, if we will just seek his forgiveness, God will forgive because of his great love. Other Christians view God more like, now forgive me, I know we've got law enforcement here, so please forgive me. But as a uh, state trooper hiding on the side of the road, hoping to catch someone going down the road, speeding. And, and, and as soon as you rush by there, and maybe you're a few miles a, a per hour above the speed limit, he pulls out and he gets his siren going, his lights going, he pulls you over. And then what do you hope? You hope that just maybe he might just give you a warning ticket. Just maybe he might give you a warning ticket, but probably he's going to give you those, that real ticket. How do you view God? Because see, your relationship with God will be impacted by the way you view Him. If you view God as that state trooper just waiting to catch you, hoping that He will make a mistake, you're not going to grow. You're going to stay like you are. You're going to stay stagnated. But if you view God as that loving Father, you want to spend as much time as you can with your father. Is God your loving father or is he a ruthless dictator? How do you view God? Is he your ruler and you just his sub subject? Or is he your father and you are his child? If you want to overcome the sin in your life, 
And let's go ahead and admit it. Each one of us, we have our Achilles heel. We have things that we struggle with. For example, two dear Christian friends of mine, wonderful Christian friends. First, the man, he struggles standing up for God in his job. He knows that he should stand up and, and speak up. He knows that he should always reflect Jesus to people around him, but often he doesn't. Often he goes along with the crowd, even partakes in their activities, and he feels guilty because he knows he's done wrong. The other, the other is a, a dear Christian woman that I know who has struggled most of her adult life with alcohol. She's an alcoholic. And she knows what it does to her and her life and her family and, and how she has disappointed her family and certainly disappointed God by some of the things that she has done. She wants to overcome. I, I told both of them, if you want to overcome the sin in your life and become all that God wants you to be, you got to know who you are. you got to look at yourself. Hey, I'm not just Michael Cox. I'm not just Jonathan Bondi. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. As a believer in Jesus, you are a loved child of God. Furthermore, if you want to overcome the sin in your life, know what you will be in the future. We're going to be changed. Verse 2. Beloved, now, we are now a child of God. Yes, we are. But guess what? It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. What are we going to look like in heaven? Answer. I do not know. You know, am I finally going to be good looking? Maybe. I don't know. I'm sure not very good looking here. But we'll be changed somehow. But we will still be a child of God. We are a child of God here on earth, and we'll be a child of God in heaven. And we're going to have an extra advantage in heaven. We're going to have that new body. Believe it. Believe it. Romans 8, 29, For whom he foreknew, he also foreordained to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Folks, we are a child of God today, and we're going to be a child of God in heaven. And in heaven, it's not going to be distant. We're going to be up close and personal with the Creator of all, because we are His child. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. And everyone who has this hope, 
Do you have the hope? If you are a Christian, we have the hope. We have the promise. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. What does that verse tell us? We are being purified by his blood. Back in chapter 1, the blood of Jesus, written to Christians, cleanses us from all wrong if we will seek his forgiveness. When you know who you are and what you're becoming, it makes a difference in the way you live your life. It purifies you. You want to do better. Those two people, the man and the woman that I told you about, they want to do better because they realize they are not what they need to be. They want to become all that God wants them to be. This sweet lady several years ago, traveled to an orphanage in the Ukraine. She could have selected any healthy child to be her adopted child. But she selected a little girl that no one wanted. The little girl had a, a facial tumor that had disfigured her face. <sighs> The child was not pretty by any means. Joyce knew that whoever she selected would have a new life, but she knew that this little child, because she had the financial means, could have a real new life. She brought her back to this country, and the doctors worked on her, that little girl grew up to be a beautiful young lady. You know, that's the way it was when God found you. You were disfigured and discarded by the world, consumed by the cancer of sin. But God saw something in you that nobody else saw. He saw a soul through your obedience to his word, you became his child. You are a loved child of God in the process of becoming like Christ himself. Please believe it. We say the word Christian. What does that word mean? Christian. It means Christ-like. We're becoming more like Jesus. Live it. Live it. Verse 4, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. We don't want to do that. Don't live that life. Live the life as a Christian. Does that mean you're going to be perfect? On Bible investigation this past week, uh, one of the, our viewers asked the Christian, can the Christian attain perfect status? Answer, no. None of us are going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But every day, <clears throat> every day, I can ask God to forgive me, and God does. Driving back Saturday, 
on the interstate, there was a, a person that was very reckless, driving fast and weaving in and out and, and almost hit me. And there was part of me for just a moment because of the danger that he was posing to everybody on the highway. I just said, you know, God, just take his car out. Just, you know, do something to the car. And just, I want that car on the side of the road. And I realized for just a moment, I was wishing harm to that man. And I shouldn't. I said, God, forgive me. I, I, I want that guy off the highway, but I, I don't want him harmed. I don't want him hurt. God forgives. God forgives even the little sins, as we call them. Now, to God, every sin is sin. It doesn't matter. There's no big sins, little sins to God. You know, we as humans, we like to call them little sins. But to God, every sin is a sin, no matter what we may call it. Verse 5. And you know, have you noticed how many times John has used the word know? It's more than just a head knowledge. You know, I know a lot of facts, you know. You know, my favorite baseball player, you know, Hank Aaron. Ah, Hank Aaron. I can give you where he was born, you know, his brother's name, his parents' name. I can give you a lot of facts. But this is not just head knowledge. This is head knowledge and heart knowledge that goes deep. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. He came to this world to take away our sins. And in him, there is no sin. Verse 6, whoever abides in him, if we're really connected with Jesus... Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor know him. I was always very close to my mother. My mother never, ever had to spank me. All my mother had to do was look at me. If I felt like I had disappointed her, if I felt like I had not measured up to what she expected, my whole world was just crushed. I would rather take a spanking than have my mother look at me disappointed. We have that kind of relationship with God that we love Him so much that if we realize when we sin, we're just crushed because we know that's not what He wants us to be. You have a choice. You can dwell in sin or you can dwell in Christ. What will it be for you? Please, choose to dwell in Christ. Choose to dwell in our Lord. A sweet mom Going to school, one of our Christian universities, she made a mistake, okay? She was an unwed mother. She had got pregnant. She made a mistake. She sought forgiveness. God had forgiven her. And, and she was dedicated to her baby. But she was also dedicated to finishing her degree and getting her degree and, you know, and then providing for her, her baby boy. But she felt guilty. 
because she had always been committed to being a daily Bible reader, a daily Bible student. And between the classes and the assignments and the homework and, and, and the fact that she lived a pretty good distance from her family, it was just her and that baby, and all the requirements that come along with a baby, as ladies, you know, you know, all the requirements. She sat down one, one afternoon with her, one of her Bible professors and said, I feel like, <clears throat> I, I, I feel like I'm shortchanging God. The Bible professor asked, well, <clears throat> When do you feel relaxed? Because I, I can tell that you're so, you're so tense. You've got so many things going and, and all. When do you feel relaxed? She said, about the only time I feel relaxed is when I'm nursing my baby. <laughs> okay. I can just kind of relax and I know he's there and, you know, I can just kind of not think about things. He said, I want to give you something. And this was several, several years ago. Remember the old Walkman? You remember the Walkmans? You know, you put in your cassettes and listen. He said, I'm going to give you a set of Bible cassettes. And I'm going to give you this Walkman. It's mine. I don't really need it. And when you're there nursing your baby, you can go ahead and do your daily Bible reading via someone reading it to you. She said, yeah. And you can concentrate on the job that God has given you. And she said, the job that God has given me? And he said, yes, God has given you that precious baby. And he expects you to raise that baby to know him. Will you accept that job? And she said, oh, I've already accepted that job. You see, each one of us, each one of us have a job that God has called us to be. Your first mission field is your own backyard. It's your family. It's your neighbors. It's your friends. They need to see Jesus living in you. You see, abiding in Christ is not something you do. It's a place to be. It's being in Christ, not doing for Christ. It's living your life with the awareness of His presence. And when you do that, you do not sin. Why? Because you want to please Him. You want to live close to Him. If you want to overcome the sin in your own life, choose to dwell in Christ. Then choose to live as a child of God, not as a child of Satan. Verse 7. Little children. John was an older man, we believe, when he wrote this. Perhaps way up in years. 70, maybe 80, 90 years old. Little children. To John, all the Christians around here were little children. Little children, let no one deceive you. Don't let someone deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that we, he might destroy the works of the devil. Too many people are like, Charlie, they're like circus elephants. 
you know, we don't really have circuses as such today. They're kind of a passing thing. But back during the heyday of the traveling circus, you might wonder, how in the world do they control those elephants? You know, an elephant is massive. An elephant can do what he wants to do because he's so big. But you know, an elephant won't. You know why? Because when a baby elephant is brought into the circus, when a baby elephant is born, they tie chain of a big chain around his his foot and they tie the other end of that chain to a massive deep down in the ground stake that that elephant pulls and even though that baby elephant is quite powerful to all his ability he can't pull that stake out of the ground because it's buried too deep they keep the baby elephant that way for quite some time. And eventually, as the baby elephant grows into a a young elephant, then an adult elephant, it just always assumes that that chain that's tied to his, his leg is buried so deep that he can't pull it out. So when the circus would travel, they would just put the stake just a few inches in the ground. And yeah, the elephant, if he had tried, if he had wanted to, he could have pulled it out, but he would not try. Because his will had been busted. He had been discouraged so much. That's the way some believers live their lives. They're discouraged. They are still tied down to their old habits. They're still tied down to their sins, conditioned to believe that they can never break free. Verse 9. Whoever has been born of God... I'm looking at people here who have been born of God. You're a Christian. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Meaning, he tries not to sin. We do sin, but we try not to sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. You can tell the difference. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Oh, did you catch that? John, throughout this very short letter, will emphasize love. Because you see, as Christians, that's kind of where it starts. Do we love each other? Do we really love each other because we are brothers and sisters together? In 1997, a a rapidly moving fire destroyed the home of Luz Cuvas. In that fire, her baby girl died. They never found the body. The fire was so intense, but they knew the baby was inside the apartment and They just knew that the baby was dead. A few years later, Luz was attending a a community gathering. And she noticed a little girl. And there was something about the eyes. Something that kind of reminded her of something. She didn't know what it was. But she had to do a little investigating. So uh, she, uh, she, she fibbed a little bit, okay? She fibbed, that's a sin. But she told the little girl, she said, you got some gum in your hair. Let me get that gum out of your hair. 
there was no gum in the hair. She wanted to take some strands of hair from that little girl. She had a friend that worked in the police department. Her friend turned the hair into the lab. Guess what they found? That little girl that she had taken the hair from was Luz's daughter. What had happened, that woman who was posing as the mother, she had set the fire to cover her, what? Stealing that baby and claiming that baby as her own. You see, the DNA proved that that baby girl had not died, but was that girl attending that community event. Folks, your real family is God's family. God is your father, not the devil. Your spiritual DNA defines who you are, not your circumstances. My friend who was the alcoholic, I told her, don't see yourself as an alcoholic. See yourself as a Christian. My friend who had often not stood up and had partaken in things at the office that he should not have. I said, don't see yourself as that gambler. Don't see yourself as that person laughing at the jokes. See yourself as a Christian. It's your spiritual DNA. You're a loved child of God in the process of becoming like Christ. Please believe it and live it. It's the only way you can overcome the sin in your own life and become all that God wants you to be. As a dad, we like to encourage our sons and grandsons. This past week, I, I had the opportunity to encourage my, two of my grandsons in the game of baseball. Dale Hahn encouraged his son, Corey, to play t-ball, to play Little League baseball. And Corey did. And Corey was good. Corey was so good that he won the coveted Mr. California Youth Baseball Player. He was drafted. He was drafted by the San Diego Padres. The Padres offered him a giant million-dollar signing bonus. Corey turned it down because he wanted to go to college and play ball. He went to Arizona State, a very good baseball college. In his third game, one of those freak accidents that doesn't ever happen, happened. He got injured as he was trying to steal second. Neck injury. He was now paralyzed. Corey couldn't really do anything hardly with his arms. He could just barely move his arms. He had no life below the, the waistline. Dale retired early from his job, took early retirement so he could help his son cope with life. Corey wanted to go back to college and finish his degree. It was going to be tough. It was going to be rough. But Dale helped Corey. He would go over and get him ready for school, getting ready for college every morning. He would take him, he would drop him off, and then he would pick him up and take him back home. Corey wanted to still be connected to the baseball team. He became like their mascot in a way. Guess how he got to those games? 
His dad, Dale, took him to each and every game. Why did he do that? Why did Dale do all of that? He said, when you're a dad, you're a dad forever. That's true. Well, guess what? As great as the men that I'm looking at right now, and I'm looking at a lot of great dads, you're not near as good of a dad as your Heavenly Father is. Our Heavenly Father is the perfect dad, the perfect father. And He wants you to be His. He's your dad forever. He sees you in all your brokenness, and He still loves you with a love that never changes. In fact, He's proud of you. Tell me, with that kind of a father, how can you not succeed? If God is for us, who can be against us? You know how my sermons always end. I remind you of God's simple plan of salvation. It is not complicated. Will you obey? As a Christian, if you think you're not tempted, if you think that you do not sin, you're just fooling yourself. Look at 1 John chapter 1. We all struggle from time to time. The difference, as a Christian, we can seek His forgiveness, and as a Christian, He will forgive us. The church stands ready to pray with you and for you. If you have any need to respond, please do so as we stand and sing for your encouragement.